I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Jeez! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Does it tame and tame and tame again? Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Putting the club giants debate to bed, some troublesome new verbs in the free kick landscape, our favourite footballers' names in things yet, an early analysis of England's Euro 2024 clamouring status, the minor technicalities of declaring a city a colour after a derby match, commentators on motorways, and we raise the curtain in dramatic style on our new quiz, Happy Hunting Grounds. Brought to your ears by Goalhanger Podcasts, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for today's adjudication panel is first of all Charlie Eccleshare. Welcome back. Hello. And David Walker. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Uh, not just an adjudication panel today. Uh, Happy Hunting Grounds, our brand new mini quiz launches today. I'm excited. My spreadsheet looks amazing. Charlie can't wait. But Dave has his mandatory reservations. Um, Dave, you've, you've been a bit of a fun policeman about this so far. <laughs> Well, look, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. But yeah. I, I, I reject I reject this characterisation, this role that you're 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 casting me in. It's a diligent producer kind of behaviour. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Mm, okay. Well, let's see what our listeners think. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it. That will come just after half time in today's episode. Right. Let's kick off today's adjudication panel with this from Phil Stoko, who wants to um, pick up on a point we made on Tuesday's episode. Uh, Charlie, on Tuesday's episode, we were talking about. Which clubs in various countries can be described as that country's giants and whether there's an upper limit or whether it's just a free-for-all? It depends on the country and whether it's relative and that sort of thing. I was prepared to, to cede some ground on this, Charlie, because Phil says the giants' discourse needs revisiting. First, to correct the suggestion that there can be a maximum of two per country, which is disproved by both Portugal, sporting Benfica, Porto, and Turkey, Galatasaray, Besiktas and Fenerbahce. So that's that's fine, isn't it? They're, Mm-hmm. We can we can go to three, maybe four. Serie A is obviously a, a good case study for this, but we can loosen it up. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Judge every case on its individual merits. Yeah, fair enough. We did kind of nod to that uh, with Nick on Tuesday when he brought up the example of, of the Netherlands with Ajax, Feyenoord and PSV. I suppose they would be in the same bracket as Sporting, Benfica, Porto and Galatasaray, Besiktas, Fenerbahce. I suppose they are. I suppose they are. Are Feyenoord Dutch giants, Charlie? Mm. They're really borderline, actually. Yeah, if I saw that written down, the Dutch giants, I don't know if they would quite be giants. I saw somebody on Twitter earlier, forgive me, I I can't remember their name, but I saw them suggest heavyweights as as an option. The Dutch heavyweights is, I quite like that. Yeah, that would be like cruiserweight in boxing terms, like just a level below, wouldn't it? And, and it's more of a catch-all t- term, I think. You could you can use it. Perhaps it's the new crack outfit. Who knows? Um, but big question from Phil to round this off, Dave. Who are the English giants? How, can we turn the mirror on ourselves? Obviously, we would never use it ourselves, but who are the English giants? How traditional should we go with this? Or is it just the big 
the big six. Liverpool, Manchester United, the obvious two. If you if you were just going to restrict to two, I think it would have to be it would have to be them historically. But then you get, English you, you, giants, Arsenal, could that work? You I get, feel like it could. And then it, I mean, you know, without wanting to get into what makes a big club discussion, <laughs> which club's bigger than than which? But Spurs are they giants? The thing is that what what Arsenal bring up as well is the fact that they haven't had Arsenal haven't had very much European success. And that can really inform, I think, how gianty a club is viewed from outside. Yeah. Um, Spurs. I mean, they they have had some, you know, UEFA Cup and that sort of thing. Um, but I think that because when I think about Feyenoord, I don't know if that is slightly informed by kind of what they've done in Europe. I think that when, I when you're looking at foreign the, club, the clear sort of third, third best, yeah, and they're maybe. so far ahead from the traditional fourth, at least mm. in the long. But it, but it's a really pertinent point that you make that. Um, it is, a, it is a Europe-wide thing because you only ever use it in the context of, of, of facing that team in Europe mm. or maybe your player exactly. moving to that club or something like that. So it's very much a kind of looking upwards and going, ooh, this lot, a bit worried mm. about this lot. So it, I think European football has to play its part. But we have to be careful with the relatively speaking aspect of this because, you know, you can go too far. But um, I mean, Chelsea, but, the, 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 given the success, it's recent, but would they be giants? I mean, they've won, what, two Champions Leagues? I think the further the further out you go, the mm. more likely you are to use it. Like, yeah, for like someone non-footballer would call them English football giants, Chelsea, and it would be okay. Yeah, I don't know. A country don't know. we've not mentioned is France of the big sort of football European football nations. Is it just PSG? You chucking in Marseille, Monaco, Lyon? Are they? I wouldn't say Marseille or Monaco. I don't think you could call them giants. Would you say the Parisian giants for PSG? Maybe. Mm. Yes, maybe. <laughs> Maybe French giants PSG works. The others, I mean, Marseille obviously won a European Cup, which muddies the waters a little bit. Well, did they? With an so, asterisk, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Anyway, right, let's move on to fresh matters. Cliché's occasional Jack Lang has written in. He was watching the Serie A highlights of Napoli 2, Milan 2, and he heard this. Raspadori with the free kick! Glorious! Napoli a level... And Giacomo Raspadori has absolutely pured one. <laughs> now, Jack Lang says, never heard that before. Don't like it one bit. Pured one. What's your instinctive reading of this? Where's it from? What does it mean? What would, it, if you heard it without seeing the seeing the video, what could it conjure in your head? I quite like it. Uh, the, yeah, a pure strike of the ball, striking it true. The clip is there's a bit of bend on the ball in the yeah. clip. It kind of bends round the wall into the bottom corner. It's an unusual free kick. It, it, you, would, you don't see that type of free kick very mm. often. A very vicious kind of sort of swerving with the instep rather than yeah. anything else. Though I, I instinctively I'm thinking pure has to be straight. Would you sort of think of knuckleball as a pure hit or is that too weird? Charlie, I feel like that might be closer to being pure, Pured curing it. it. Yeah. yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, or that one. Do you remember Balak in Euro 2008 absolutely oh, smashes Balak. a free kick? He levers it and it goes top corner. But he, yeah, I was like a, such a pure strike. Like a John Arnarisa. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. I think that's so pure as a hit. He's pured it. I mean, I, I imagine that's used by people who play. It, it feels like, you know, we talked about distros the other week. It feels like the sort of person who uses distros might be like, mate, you absolutely pured that oh, one. Or, mads, oh, mads, mads. Yeah. You've pured that one, Yeah, mate. I agree. This does sound very industry. <laughs> um, there was a little clue, though. Uh, Raspadori's goal celebration was a golf swing. So I got in touch with some golfers. I'm sad to admit I know them. 
and uh, they replied that uh, they do use that phrase if you pure right. a drive like straight down the middle that's puring it or he's now obviously we have a great relationship with the um Serie A commentators and um <laughs> i got in touch with uh, this one in particular patrick kendrick who responded by saying he does play a little bit of golf and that's where it came from but he defends it he says to quote barry davis he says talk to the pictures um <laughs> So, uh, no, I'm all for it. I think it's good. I worry about it as a verb, I have to say, but I, I, but I'm not against it. You know, I don't think it's doesn't fit in the football vernacular in spirit. I just worry about it on a technical level, Charlie. I'm trying. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think. Like you talk about, he's middled it. Um, mm. You get that a lot in other sports. You talk about mm. that in tennis. He's middled mm. it, and I don't know. Maybe in golf as well. Um, that could work. Part of the boot that you hit the ball with could work. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, puree is a, a verb that Keezy and other cooking aficionados <laughs> will be familiar with. Yes, um, I suppose it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, on a fairly similar note to your cooking direction, um, in the FA Youth Cup, Carlisle United were playing Barnsley earlier this week uh, from their official Twitter account. 28 minutes, goal, stunner. Fitzpatrick melted that free kick into the top corner. <laughs> melted? I'm trying to imagine a free, yeah, free kick that would be melted. It's, it kind like. of implies a sort of fairly gentle kind of disintegration of the of the job at hand. But it was, it, it's basically just a, it was a really lovely free kick bent with some force into the very very top corner. Um, not sure about melting at all. I just can't really, yeah, I can't picture it. I don't know what that could be a Cumbrian thing. What, what yeah. Uh, but yeah. Mel- melted doesn't have. It doesn't have any connotations of sort of you would associate with a free kick or a, or a striking a ball melting. It's just yeah. I mean, works. there's the not there's right the heat element, and I so I don't know if it's just like uh, oh that was a hot hot strike. That's quite con- Patrick. <laughs> if you take the connotations out of it, there's the word itself. It, it kind of it's very good at conveying Dave's sort of just pure power. He just, just he's belted it he's belted it he's melted it and it, and I just think yeah I can kind of picture it um, but it, there's a little bit more craft in that free kick than the word gives it credit for which is, which is really what my big reservation about it is anyway big week for free kick verbs right <laughs> Tom Higgins you said the element of partridge about it what about this Charlie Tom Higgins writes in I was watching the match of the day two highlights of Villa versus Luton and commentator Simon Brotherton said this about the travelling fans Aston Villa 2, Luton Town nil. Still in good voice. The Luton fans who've travelled up the M1 and along the M6 to get here. Tom asks Charlie, is giving two motorways yeah. two partridge? <laughs> that, that is so funny. It, just, it is. It's just uh, one's fine. It, that like yeah, Two, you're getting into realms of... I mean, really detailed, sort of getting into A-roads and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's just you never hear it because you always hear about, like, the, you know, the journey up the M6. So it's yeah, gonna be a miserable it's just illustrative, isn't it? the M1. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, it's the, the yeah, it's yeah. It a bit much. One step away from, from mentioning your favourite motorway services yeah. as well, I think. Exactly. Um, yeah, just a, a lovely little touch, a lovely little observation, <laughs> and I'm very happy that that Charlie backed it up, gave it the cliche stamp of approval. But I can, I can also see the dilemma because the commentator's probably thinking, oh, "I don't want some smartass pointing out that it's not just the M1." So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? It's like you have that knowledge; you, it, you just sort of has to come out. Yeah, still, we've still got work to do when you've got up the M1. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think Luton are particularly susceptible to this because they are so notably an M1, M1. club. 
Right. You know, the M, the what the derby against Watford is sometimes called the M1 derby. Ah, ah. Good fixture knowledge. Might come in handy later. Right. Um, both you and Taylor and Barry O'Neill got in touch about this. Uh, another technical matter to, for us to get stuck into. Said they can't be having this. This was from Ross County's 2-2 draw with Hibs on Tuesday night. From the Ross County official Twitter page, pinpoint delivery from Jan Danda with a little dart emoji as his cross was turned into the net by the defender to start the fight back. Whoa! A pinpoint cross put into his own net by a defender. I'm not happy with it. I'm not happy with it at all. You you mean because the the natural contradiction there? Yeah. How pinpoint could it have... Because he wasn't aiming... He's not aiming for the defender. Exactly, but I suppose you could then turn it around. So, well, it turned out that the cross was because it did its job. Ultimately, the means were of an end. But, Dave, it's not a pinpoint cross because pinpoint... You're aiming for somebody, right? Unless in the, the highly fanciful situation that Jan Dander has spotted a defender whose body position wasn't quite right on the far post and thought, I'm going to put it in there and or, he won't be able to do anything other than turn yeah, it the, into his own net. The data analyst before the game said say. to him, he's got a real susceptibility. If you put, it, if you put in a pinpoint cross, he will, he will score an own goal. Jan Dander running to the stand and pointing at the video <laughs> analyst in the stands going, that one's for you. Great work. <laughs> Who are you pointing at, Jan? Well, you know, I don't want to give away the secrets. But yeah, okay. Um, uh, Jury's out on that one, but obviously no. Right. The mileage still very much left in this. It's still, the fire still burns within me for footballers' names in things. Um, A lovely little hat trick for you now. First up comes from Jacob Chesterton. He says, um, I thought you'd enjoy this. At 33 seconds on Paramore's still into you, Hayley Williams proclaims that every time her fingers interlock, she thinks of a certain French footballer for her sins. It's not a walk in the park to love each other. But when my fingers interlock, can't deny, can't deny you were there. Good. <laughs> That's good. Already better than, than the uh, examples from earlier in the week. Good. I think it's a solid. I think it's a solid number one of a three. I think in uh, footballers' names in things. Here's a very solid number two. This came from Dear Fira. This is Tunbridge Wells-based punk duo Soft Play. That's, I, mean, I just love the idea good. that that song could exist as well. <laughs> um, I'd, 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 I'd sing a song about Joe Cole. With that level of repetition. Yeah, oh, yes, great. It's a very singable name. It, it works very well. Right. But oh, this is this is oh, so good. So good. And made it even better. Because I'm, I'm not sure what the odds were of this. Two different people spotted this in a 17-year-old album track from quite a niche artist within 25 minutes of each other. Uh, but that's exactly what happened when Josh Dickens... And Mose 93, who, by the way, both use the phrase a certain winger. Superb. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Jamari Gray. That was uh, Nico Case. With Lion's Jaws. <laughs> Demari Gray. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how you pronounce his name, it's still good. <laughs> okay. Right. Been meaning to ask you about this for a while now, Charlie. 
now the podcast back. It's 225 days, as I understand it, until the Euros kick off in Germany. And it's time for Clamour Watch. Um, Chris Williams writes in, says, I'm getting the worrying feeling that there may not be a pre-Euros clamour. Bellingham's already nailed down. Grealish is now a boring tacticsman. Post-peroxide Foden is unexciting. Debatable. James Ward-Prowse, perhaps. But can you clamour for a reliable squad player? Don't think so. So where's the clamouring coming from in your eyes now, Charlie? Mm. I mean, can you clamour for us? I I do think someone like Ward-Prowse... There is that potential, just because I think he ha- he he's quite divisive in that, you know, there are some people who'd be like he's too slow, he's not that good, and I was be like, how can you ignore Ward Prowse? You know, he's he he offers some- also, J- Dave shaking his head, but Ward Prowse has the set pieces thing, which I think can create a bit of a clamor of, uh, yeah, but you know, a game's tight, a game's tight, having someone who you can put on and put some crosses into the big man, you know, can can score a goal at any moment. How can you overlook that? Did well, he make two- the World Cup squad? Or is he cut? Was he cut at the last minute? I think he, I think he was cut. I, I think if there was going to be a clamour for James Ward-Prowse, we would have had it at some point by now. I, I can't see what he's going to do know, for West Ham already, between now and the end of the season. He's already started quite well for West Ham. And... Yeah, I don't know. He's, just, he's, not, he's not a very clamourable player, is he? I don't well, think. I agree with that on two points. First of all, you're, it would, you'd have to have a glaring absence of set-piece delivery ability in your team for the for the for the void to be you know gaping enough for the clamor to grow about that specific thing now to pick up on your point charlie about you know him having that thing in his locker that if you need a goal that sort of thing but that's that's a secondary clamor because you're not clamoring him for being in the team you just need you just need him around to call upon and that, that that's a second tier clamoring just to have him in the squad which isn't a huge well you- it's, not, it's not a huge take is it to have him in the squad but you think for your clam- your limering clamor clamoring to starting positions? Yeah, that's what clamors are for. It's it's either for a player to start or to be brought in after a, after a bad first game. That's how. Clamors okay. Work. Okay. So yeah. in, okay. So like so Grealish in the last Euros. Exactly. Yeah. Every every England team worth its salt at tournament has had a clamoring. Owen ninety eight, of course, the ultimate clamoring. Yeah. Yeah. Or would, would Beckham 98 have qualified yeah. for that as well? Yeah, some people forget. Didn't start um, the first game, I believe. Yeah, First or, two. Watch documentary, but yeah. you can't trust the fucking documentary, <laughs> yeah. can you? So I think James Madison has as yes. good a chance as any at the moment because he's playing so well for Tottenham. He's in the squads now. Like it's, it, There was obviously a time when he just couldn't even get a look in to get into the squad, but I think that's passed. Southgate's obviously going to include him, but will Southgate play? Will Southgate be starting him? I would say relatively unlikely at the moment based mm. on sort of how Southgate likes to operate. But he also has that set pieces that you've just mentioned about James mm. Ward-Prowse. So I think I think he is... I could see a bit of a clamour for him if I think we're struggling in the group stages. Madison has two very solid clamouring credentials here. First up, there, there may... I'm not saying there is, but there may eventually be a debate about where does Southgate trust him? Yeah. Is he one of Southgate's trusted lieutenants? That sort of rubbish. And second, he is in the ballpark of being a player who needs to be unleashed yep. on their next opponent. So I think it works very well. Can pick a lock. Madison's a perfect shout as well because he encapsulates the debate around Southgate. Like, is he too conservative? Like, we know it's worked for him before, but is this the time to release the shackles? And Madison, you know, he's the yeah. kind of player, he's unpredictable. You know, we used to have Gaza. You know, remember we had Gaza. And, you know, he's a kind of modern day equivalent of that. And so yeah. I can, I think that's a, re- that's a, a great shout. Um, finally, I mean, as I said before, Dave, 
clamorings are often based on what your your team is lacking at a certain point. Obviously, it's mostly attacking things because you know fans tend to clamor for excitement and you know injections of pace and whatnot. But if there's one thing that England could potentially be crying out for come the Euros, especially with injuries and stuff, it could be a centre half partner for whoever their first choice centre half is. So Esri Konsa could end up being you know the go-to clamor. I mean, it's not ideal, but that could be it. Jacob Tanswell of The Athletic informed me the other day that Villa fans were singing England's number four to Ezri Concert, <laughs> which I don't like as a, as a charm, but it does show that there could be... Because clamorings do grow with the, with the club fan base first, and then they extend to wider fan bases. But do you think he'll get high enough clamour-wise to be start? Because he's not even... Like, no, he could be clamour for a squad, but I can't no, see so him. I said it's not ideal. Yeah. I mean, there has could to Le- be one. Could Levi Colwell... You know, he he feels like someone who having a left foot as a centre back will help. Yeah, that balance, you need that. Yeah, balance. exactly, exactly. Yeah, I just think the whole the whole what a rubbish clamour that is, though. The, isn't the, it? The, but the discourse around the centre backs is I don't think there's ever going to be a clamour for a particular centre back. There's just going to be a clamour to not Harry have Maguire. Harry Maguire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the, <laughs> the anti clamour, oh, which is a shame. No one likes to see could, an anti clamour. Could there be? I I don't think it's possible right now because Ramsdale's not even playing for Arsenal. But Pickford took then again with left foot centre backs. Could there be a pick, uh, more of a clamour for a ball playing keeper? You know, it's so important these days. I'm well, just not sure. Pickford, Pickford is he is. That's kind of why he's in the one of the. But he's more. He's, in the team, he's more kind of longer delivery, yeah. isn't he? And he's quite sort of skittish. I don't know if there's just a bit of like we need we need someone. He's he's preempted this. Play out. Pickford's preempted this this season, possibly this season. I think it started. He's gone from high socks to low socks. He's a, he's a low socks goalkeeper now, and I think that means he thinks he's some sort of playmaker. So he, he's he's trying to sort of create this thing for himself. He's trying to fend off Ramsdale by going low socks, and I'm all for it. I was watching Chelsea Arsenal a few weeks ago, and I did just have a little thought of like, I don't think it'd be a clamour to get into the first team or to get into the starting eleven, but could there be a clamour for Cole Palmer to be in the squad? Ooh. Yeah, I, that's a, that, that's a that's a high level secondary clamouring. It's the it's the, the young wild card to be in the squad mm. uh, and then see where it goes from there. It's not just a going for the experience situation like Walcott two thousand and six. It's like mm. you know, you know. I think he's played his way in. Can you afford to overlook him? And the the other thing I, I worry not a clamour, but I, I with the Euros in mind. You worry, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm concerned about Bellingham because he's he's doing so well at the moment and and we everyone's getting so excited about the fact that we could have the best player in Europe or the world in in this tournament it's absolutely ripe for a pre-tournament injury i completely agree and it won't be uh, it won't be a metatarsal it won't be the t- traditional kind of heartbreak injury uh, this is the closest i'm going to get to a sincere footballing topical observation on the football clichés podcast but i'm telling you Jude bellingham is going to fall apart he's going to he's just there's something about him that just makes it He's just—he's just ripe for a chronic injury at some point. He just—he's strapped up a lot, which worries me. He's just played and, a lot at a young age. Yeah, he's getting relied on by basically everybody. He's doing fifteen jobs in midfield. I don't like it. I don't like any of it. I, this is a serious cotton wool situation. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, can you be wrapped? How long can you be wrapped up in cotton wool? <laughs> Wrap him up now. That's just, it. Just do it now. That's a good point. Yeah, we'll tackle this in an upcoming Clichés episode. How is the maximum length of time a player can be wrapped up in proverbial cotton wool?
Right, welcome back to Football Clichés. I'm very excited to launch the second half of this episode by raising the curtain on our new mini quiz format, Happy Hunting Grounds. Now, I thought long and hard about this name, Dave. I was going to call it Away Goals Rule or End-to-End Stuff, but I've settled on Happy Hunting Grounds. (laughs) And now I've put you through the ringer in terms of the mechanism of this quiz. Uh, You might be bored of it already, but I hope you're not. Let's, Let's try and sum this up, Dave. I think essentially... If anyone's ever lazily absorbed episodes of Premier League years in their lives, this might be the quiz for them. I mean, I think it's the quiz made perfectly for Charlie Eccleshare <laughs> and his his Premier League galaxy brain. Yeah. But uh, so I am quite I am quite um, intimidated for the prospect mm. of going up against him in this quiz. But as with all good quizzes, if you know them, you know them. Exactly. Yeah, Charlie. This is essentially a test of everybody's deep-lying photographic Premier League memory. So it does play into your hands somewhat, but stranger things have happened. Well, not in this quiz, because you haven't done it before. Right, happy hunting grounds. The format is thus. Each time we'll have two contestants, you're going to get three questions each. Fundamentally, the highest number of points at the end wins. Now, I've collated a spreadsheet of every single current and former Premier League club and every single stadium that's ever hosted Premier League football. Now, I've painstakingly removed the combinations of team and stadium that have never happened. That leaves 2,265 possible combinations. For each question, I'm going to need you to name a player who has scored for that team at that away ground in the Premier League and the season that they did it. But there's a twist. I have graded all 2,265 combinations into difficulty levels of 1 to 10. Level 1 is gettable. You should be on this podcast if you can't get it, or at least stab at it. Level two is trickier, but comfortable. Level three is going to need some racking of your Premier League brains. Level four, I would say, is basically world class. This is kind of a l'equipe approach to this, but it's it's not out of the question to get it, but you'd be doing well. Levels five to seven, potentially astonishing if you get them, but as Dave says, if you know them, you know them. Levels eight to ten, forget it, forget it. But if you do need them, they're there for you if you need them. The harder the level you choose, the number of points correlates to what you get if you get it correct. You get a level one correct, you get one point. A level 10, you get a potentially earth-shattering 10 points. Three questions, a theoretical maximum of 30. Never going to happen. Never. I hypothesise, Dave, that the average score for this quiz will be around four to six, which I think makes for a very, very tense affair. I think it is going to be low scoring, which is good that you haven't called it end-to-end stuff, really, in that, yeah. in that, in that regard. I think the scoring system is good because if you if you are struggling, you know, I, I'm already foreseeing a situation where I'm about three or four points behind Charlie going into my last question and I just go go for broke and I'll just go for a, a level eight or something just to see what happens. Mind games. Yeah, this is where the strategy might come into it. It isn't just knowledge. You're going to need to think about what you're doing. Right, um, let's toss a coin then, shall we? Um, Dave, you can call heads or tails to go first. Or maybe you can put Charlie into the hot seat straight away. Heads. Heads it is. Are you going to go first or is Charlie going first? I am going to let Charlie go first. Charlie, making history. The first ever person to answer a question on happy hunting grounds. Right, the choice is yours. Choose a level of difficulty from 1 to 10 to kick us off. How much pressure are you going to put David Walker under straight away? I'll go one, first of all, just to I thought you might. Get, get the I ball thought rolling. you might. Okay, Charlie, you've chosen level one. Let's generate your combination. Manchester United at the Emirates. Okay. I will go Marcus Rashford, 
this season. So that would be, what was it, September 2023. Don't need the month. Don't need the month. Okay. Just just the season. Yes, Charlie, that is, of course, correct. Rashford eyeball to eyeball with White. It's Rashford! It's a gem! One point to Charlie, and he takes a potentially saleable lead, I guess. <laughs> um, Dave, over to you. See, I think I probably would have struggled with that, just, just from thinking of it. So recent, I, recent knowledge is is tough sometimes. Yeah, I know. Right, it's okay. difficult. It's difficult. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm gonna play it safe and I'm gonna go for level one just to see if I can level blow peg. for blow. Here yeah, we go. Yeah, keep pace with Charlie. Manchester City at the Emirates. Right. Um. There's a goal that's come to mind, but oh, what year? The years, the years. So, God, it's just your brain just gets clouded with like just images of goals and players, but you're just like, oh, which year was it in? Mm, very uh, much so. You're going to have a lot of this, a lot of visualising of goals and then the cold, hard knowledge letting people down. But you can always guess. Um, right. Last season, Kevin De Bruyne in, in 2022, 223. That is correct. Oh, Tomiyasu makes a mistake. De Bruyne scores! Scored the opener in the 24th minute. The back pass. Keeper out of his goal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Very, very good. Right, it's one all after the first question. Mm. Maybe time to ramp things up. It's entirely your choice. Charlie, second question. What level are you going for this time? Uh, I'll go two, please, Oh, Adam. interesting, interesting. Right, level two. Let's see what comes up. West Ham United at Elland Road. Fucking hell. That's a tricky level two, I think. That's a pretty tricky level two. It does feel tricky. West Ham leads. God, I just can't beat West Ham. So, Charlie, yeah, if you're struggling, mm. you know, you can just guess. There's, you know, with teams like this, there's a decent chance you might nail it. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there is one I can specifically remember. West Ham at Leeds. There's a big gap, isn't there, of all that time? Yeah. West Ham are a tricky one. Dipping in and out of the Premier League, as have Leeds. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll guess Di Canio 99-2000 season. Di Canio 99-2000. I can tell you that Leeds won that game 1-0. Oh, shame. Wow. Wow. Dave, you could go a point ahead here. It's your second question. What level are you going to go for? Are you going to play it safe? Could go 10 points ahead. I'm going to play safe. I'm just, I've got the opportunity to edge ahead, so I'm going to stick with a level one. Right, level one it is. Let's see what you get. Manchester United again at the Etihad. God, it's so, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's, it's funny what goals just pop into your mind as soon as you, you see the clubs. But then you just then it's just the. I'd struggle with the years here. I have to. I say. doubt myself on the years. I've got a very specific image of the game I was watching, the goal it was, where I was. But what year was that? I think I even saw it on Sky, like playing back on Sky recently. It's the, goal, the game I'm thinking of is the one where City could have won the title, but United won under Mourinho. Dave very much a talker, isn't he? And Charlie very much internalises his thoughts. <laughs> Two different approaches. But also, 
they've had some they've they have scored some goals there recently haven't they but i'm i'm going to go oh, this is a bit of a punt this what season was it <sighs> so i'm going to go paul pogba 1819 paul pogba 1819 this was november 2018 no, it's not a right, then. 3-1 win for manchester city and United's goal was scored by Anthony Martial from the penalty spot. You were 17-18. You, you so, had the game. Yeah, I went was, too late. I knew Charlie eight. would do this as well. I knew he, he has a history of, of doing this in various quizzes. Of course. Um, eight, that was April 2018. Yeah. <sighs> wow. wow. No points apiece Shit. for round two then. It remains 1-1 as we go into the third question. Charlie... I think I think we're living a little bit rent free in your head now. The hubris of going for level two. I know, but then two. now what are you going to do? Yeah, you said that was a trickier one. Luck of the draw. Do if I you, stick or twit? I mean, if we are level after three questions, we will go to sudden death. I've got to trust the process and go for two. Wow, a king move from Charlie Eccleshare. Georgie Thompson will be proud. Let's go level two for Charlie Eccleshare's third question. Liverpool at St Mary's. I will go Roberto Firmino last season in the so that's the 22-23 season four all draw. You're absolutely correct. 14th minute. Oh, they're queuing up here. Firmino, can he get on it? Yes, he can. For Liverpool away at Southampton last season. Excellent work. Charlie leads 3-1. His gamble has paid off. Dave, you need a level two just to stay in the game. If you go level three and you nail it, Charlie will be sick. Sick as a parrot. Yeah, okay, gonna have to. You going level three? Nobody wants to play for sudden death, do they? Yep, so let's no. go for let's Ooh. go. Win or, win or bust level three. Fuck. If well, you get a Watford here. The first ever spin of the level three dice. Let's do this. Hundreds of combinations. Oh god. Crystal Palace at St Mary's. We're back in Southampton, oh. but now with the Eagles. Take your time. So I'm not. There's no. There's no game that's sort of springing to mind. I've not got any real vision in my head. You could go way back with this if you need to. Mm. Imagine if he plucks this out of nowhere. Doesn't even visualise a goal. Just picks a name, picks a season, and goes for it. Did they play each other in the on the Great Escape? Was that was was Palace playing? Southampton that day? Probably not worth thinking about. It's only going to skew my thoughts if it's wrong. No one can help you. Dave gets this. He wins the inaugural edition of Happy Hunting Ground. Could have gone for level two to keep the game alive. He's trying to win it outright with a level three. I bet Charlie's got an example. Charlie will know this, I'm sure, from the last few seasons. He will have something in his head. Go historical. Fuck him up. No, because I'm not confident on the years that... that they were both in the Premier League. Um, so I might, I'm just going to go, I think I'm going to gamble, just have a random guess at a match over the last few seasons. Uh, I'm going to play percentages and I'm going to say Zaha is most likely Crystal Palace goal scorer over the last three or four years. So I'm going to go from, I'm going to go in the 21-22 season, Wilfred Zaha. 2021-22, I can tell you that Crystal Palace won 2-1 away at Southampton. 
I'm about to find out who scored the goals. Oh, come on. Please, oh Wolf. Oh, my God. That you've got to be backing yourself there. Oriol Romeo opened the scoring for Southampton to give them an early lead in the ninth minute. Come it, on. Come uh, on. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. It was Eberechi Eze oh. who equalised. And then, in the dying moments... Come on. As David Walker has done, Wilfred Zaha yes! scored. <laughs> come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> MacArthur to Zaha with his back to goal. Zaha turns and shoots. Oh, and Palace have the lead late on here at St Magnificent! What an advert for Happy Hunting Grounds this has been! The hubris of Ecclesher early on, the controlled hubris of Charlie Ecclesher early on, the cautious approach of Dave playing, I don't know, cat and mouse, parking the bus if you like, and then striking at the death to win it 4-3 to David Walker. You are the first champion of Happy Hunting Grounds. How do you feel? How does that sound? Genuinely, my heart's beating so fast. (laughs) <laughs> there are some people out there who are going, well, yeah, he's just had a good guess at Wilfred Zaha scoring away at Southampton. And they would be right. But it's the but year. It, I could yeah. have chosen any year from the he last might have been few. injured one game. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? And there will be tougher tests. Tougher tests lie ahead, I think. Who are we going to get in to challenge Dave Walker? If you fancy a go, let me know. Otherwise, we'll get in one of the extended cliches family. But don't get too comfortable in that, in that throne, Dave. Charlie, uh, did you enjoy the quiz? I did. Yeah, it's a very, very good format. (laughs) Excellent stuff. Right, let's wrap up the adjudication panel then. This is a great question. I was really happy to leave this one to last. It came from Chris Mason and it contains the best bullet points we've been sent for a very long time. He says, since watching the Manchester derby, I have found myself thinking about the colour of cities. Manchester City claiming the city is blue after beating Manchester United. Which got me thinking, would the City have been red if Manchester United had won? Even though City are already better and have won basically everything last year, this sent me down a further rabbit hole. Question one, Charlie, is the colour determined after each derby match in the City? Is that how we, how the dynamic works, do you think? Or is it a bigger picture scenario? That is a good question. And obviously, the example Chris Mason gives there makes me think of that Sky bit before City played United and I think 2000 it was like blue flowing through the city meeting red and one of those very very halves of cities get over it I think it should be a longer term that yeah I mean Manchester wouldn't have been I guess for that night mate you know in in the way of like bragging Manchester's red tonight yeah Yeah, because bragging rights is a very you know you don't need to keep beating a team to have bragging rights you've got them until the next team time you play them. Yeah, I, th- I was going to say, the bragging rights famously go into the, you know, the next week at work. Bragging rights are a subset of what colour the city is, uh, which is more indelible, I would say. Other questions from Chris, Dave, can a city be more than one colour? I mean, that's, that's against the whole spirit of the thing, isn't it? So no. Not in this example, no. Charlie, Chris also asks, could the city be blue if the blue team were in the league below or even further? So could a cup upset change the colour of a city? No. No. <laughs> again, again, only in a ve- only for that night or whatever, but not in a longer term way. No. Other questions include Dave. What color is London right now? <laughs> I don't red. I don't Wh- know. White. It's got to be white. If really, if you're going by league position, I oh. Lily White. London is Lily maybe, White. Maybe we. I mean, you could make the decision, Charlie. But do we have to? Like it's, we're just we're just not at a point where we have to declare it, but, right? But you would go North London, you know, you, you, it's yeah. too big, so it's North London is red, so, whatever. I think of Chelsea when I think London is blue, or they say West London is blue. I think they might say London is blue. I mean, like Liam Toomey wrote a piece ahead of Chelsea Arsenal about how there'd been a kind of power shift in London um, or between those two clubs over the last few years. So I do wonder if it if it kind of went 
from blue to red <laughs> over I've actually the last just, couple of years. I've just I've just thought that can a city be more than one colour? Well, if Crystal Palace were going to well, claim yeah. London, I was going to say it, it, they could. It, if it was London is yeah, blue and red, I didn't think of that point yeah. in the question. Yeah, Southampton would be red and white. Yeah. He also asked Charlie, is there a city where the colour wouldn't change depending on who was on top? Hmm. Um, is, is this a question about whether they just happen to have the same colours or whether it's just more indelible? Whether a club, club's so established. I mean, presumably, he's, yeah, he's not talking about one club city. So obviously Newcastle will always be black and white. But is there a city where it, there are more than one club, but it's always going to be... Birmingham? I mean, it's, it's Birmingham has been blue. At some point, yeah, I don't think about yeah Birmingham, the Enkelman, the night of Enkelman, <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, that was a blue night, and even for a, a period, I feel like they were, you know, not just for that one-off game, I feel like they were Bristol. Bristol's red, and it's very mm. unlikely to be blue and white anytime soon, right? Yeah, I don't think any, I don't think it can't change. I, 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 to answer that question, I don't think there is a city where it couldn't change. I think there'll always be the potential, um, you know, if there's a genuine power shift. Final question, perhaps the most mundane of all, Dave. Can anything less than a city be a colour, i.e. a town? <laughs> Are there towns with two clubs? Maybe this sentiment can extend down to the lower divisions and non-league. Well, I mean, I suppose it would do, yeah. Dave's about to talk about how you can paint a town red and we go, hey, hmm. yeah, good one. No, um, no. no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're really annoyed, aren't you? Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Um, but no, yeah, good question. Good questions from Chris Mason. Some of them were very similar, but I did enjoy what? the spirit of it all. For Manchester City at the moment, like even if United win a derby, if they'd if they'd won the recent derby, would it really would they really have turned the city red? Because they're still no. so obviously far behind them. No, I wouldn't have thought so. It, it would have been a sort of a temporary, very it, short it, term. Yeah, it might not even have upset the apple cart with bragging rights, Charlie. I don't think. Yeah, bragging I mean, rights would have been very tenuous. I well, mean, the manner I mean, of victory might have helped, but. A great example would be that um, Paul Pogba game that Dave was talking about before, where City right. w- City wanted to win the league. They were going to win the league there. It was like early April. Right. And obviously United won the game to deny them that. Hmm. And for that night, for sure, you know, they had just denied their rivals winning the league. and They'd been 2-0 down, come back to win 3-2 away. You've got to say Manchester was red that night. But City were on the way to winning the league at an absolute canter. And I think once the sort of revelry of that night and everyone had sort of woken up to the reality of the situation after the weekend I think city, the city probably would have turned back blue or certainly was they would have known it might be red for now but when City win the league in a week or two it will be mm. it will be blue maybe it's like local elections and general elections like it, you need more heft to move the dial at a, mm. at a national level and that will only happen every what four years so it's more immovable, perhaps. The colour of a town, perhaps bragging rights. Right, that brings a very eventful episode of Football Clichés to a close. Great adjudication panelling, great footballers' names in things, and a fantastic first edition of Happy Hunting Grounds. Um, Charlie, you'll be back. No question. Chin up, fella. All right? Thanks, big man. Well done, Dave. God bless Wilfred Zaha. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, get in touch if you want to play. See you soon. Echoshare licking his wounds. I know every goal. Describe it. Who got the assist?